All right, it's Robert's getting seated. So yeah, thanks for the introduction, Nicholas. Um, he promised fireworks, so we'll try to bring it today. Uh, my name is Randy Givens, head of maritime equity research here at Jefferies. So yeah, today, star-studded panel covering refined products tankers. Lots of exciting things to talk about. On the panel, we have Tony Gurney, CEO of Ardmore Shipping, Carlos Balestra Di Matola, CFO of D'Amico, Kevin Kilcullen, CFO of Diamond S Shipping, and Robert Bugby, president of Scorpio Tankers. So starting with a little bit of background before we get to what is going on in the markets uh, right now, obviously that's what a lot of people want to hear about, and then a little bit on IMO 2020 and a few other ancillary things. So. Before we get to kind of where we are today, just wanted to look at where we've been the last six months and kind of how we got to these levels, right? So with that last fourth quarter, you saw LR2 rates kind of peaking maybe at 35,000 a day, um, which we're above now, we'll get to later. Uh, MRs were maybe 25,000 a day, which we're getting close to now. Then first half of the year, first nine months of the year, let's, let's be real, um, we're pretty weak. So if you want to start with that, Tony kind of talking about how we got from these January levels to September before we get into where we are in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I, well, is, is I don't hear <coughs> There we are, good. <laughs> yeah, so uh, hadn't, I should have read your email more closely, but uh, <laughs> so yeah, how did we get from, from January to here? Um, you know, look, overall 2019 has been much, much better than 2018. Um, you know, I think um, <clears throat> sort of in the, you know, in the middle of the year, we, we started feeling feeling the, the kind of headwinds or lack of wind from the, uh, you know, global um, economic slowdown um, and the trade war. Um, but all that's changed very quickly. Um, sure. I think one thing I'd like to maybe discuss a little bit later, maybe not now, but, um, you know, what's behind the product market rally For sure. as opposed to the crude market rally, because I think they're different. Absolutely. Okay, so. Yeah, we will get to that. So, yeah. all right, well, as you kind of alluded to, Rates, you know, uh, June, July, August, a little underwhelming. September, underwhelming. Recently, we're seeing a surge. LR2s on my notes here were 45,000 a day. Robert pointed out today they're 65,000 a day, right? So these numbers are a little stale. LR2s, 65,000 a day. MRs, around 20,000 a day. So two important question. Kevin, first to you. What demand drivers have pushed up rates here in recent weeks, much less days? Um, and what are some of these kind of longer term drivers uh, Tony, if you want to add to this, that might cause this to be more of a sustained kind of cyclical recovery and not just a one-month trade. Well, you know, as Tony said, I think we'll get into some of the product-specific stuff. The, the very recent near-term jump in LR2s is clearly being pulled by the crude market. I think you're seeing uh, some switching. There, everybody on the panel probably has heard a different number of LR2s that have flopped from clean to dirty or plan to uh, at the completion of their next voyage, and you're seeing a direct impact on LR2 rates because of that. Each LR2 that leaves the products market has a much bigger impact on the products market than it does on the crude market, and so the rates are being dragged up from the top. I think uh, we'll probably get into it later, but there are a, a number of fundamental changes and excitement around product carriers specifically that lead to a, a very um, bullish, moderate, intermediate-term outlook. Great. All right, Robert, you know, you're the only one up here with some LR2 exposure, so what's going on there? Why are they triple the rate of an MR? Um, is there a lot of just LR2 switching? And speaking of switching, I've heard in the last hour that there's MRs switching from clean to, product, uh, from clean to dirty. Um, so maybe talk about the spread between LR2s and MRs. Is it going to stay triple? 
and then maybe some MR switching. Uh, okay, so first of all, first of all, I think that yes, the LR2 is going to expand its um, margin over the MRs for a couple of reasons. Firstly, is that in any bull market, it sort of benefits the the top dog, as it were. You know, the VLCCs are, are a multiple of Aframaxes in the crude market, and Cape sizes normally become a multiple of the value of, let's say, Handy sizes or Ultramaxes in the drive cargo market. So it would be perfectly natural to expect that LR2s will expand as we go into a bull market here. The second thing is that, you know, fuel cost is going to be higher, and therefore that means that the... Um, the price per ton at which you can break or crack an LR2 cargo into two MR cargoes will therefore be higher because the LR2 is going to be more efficient. A modern eco scrubber fitted LR2 is just going to have a much better economics than an older non scrubber fitted MR. So that'll be there. I think that it's important to just start with where we are you know, on a factual position, these markets are moving pretty quick. I think that, you know, certainly LR2s today have crossed $100,000 a day. And MRs have had a reasonable jump from 22000 to 35000 So those markets, the, the product market itself now is coming into its own. What's fantastic with the product market is that we have everything on the come. We have not just EMO 2020 shipments, which are going to have to start coming soon, but we have that wonderful friend to the product market called winter, which is coming. And then if that wasn't good enough, come January, February, and this again is going to help LR2s, you've got some pretty big refineries opening up in the Middle East that are going to really stimulate the export demand. So I think we really are entering some abnormal times. I think that people get a bit confused today. The tanker stocks have sold off. I think partly that's because one of the tanker companies, I don't know which it is, whether it's an LNG tanker company or a crude oil tanker company or a product tanker company, suddenly started to try to do a war cross during the early part of the day. Um, obviously, I don't know which that company is, so that started to freak out a few of the funds. But I think it's very clear that we're entering into this, you know, great place where finally we're going to have a bull market. So the company <clears throat> is not Scorpio Tankers? No, it's not okay. Scorpio Tankers. To be clear, and real quick, before I just let this comment, before I let this comment go in passing. It's, it's not Scorpio product bulkers either. Okay, so. good. <laughs> that was my next question. No. Um, you were saying LR2s, there was fixtures at 100,000 a day or bids at 100,000 a day. MRs, fixtures at 32, 35? Yeah, I'm or? really not guessing on this one. Okay. Well, you were the one who said they were rates at those levels. Today. Sorry? You said there's rates at LR2 is 100,000 a day and MRs at 30 plus Yeah, I could day. read okay. you my trading report if I wanted to, but we I probably will take have to you kill you. At your word just have right. to take it at my word. I mean, I they, they, these, are, these are really strong things. Sure. I mean, I'd like to put, you know, something's really incredible here is this, you know, you talk about the market and ask Tony this question earlier. I mean, my God, even in August was twice what it was last year. This market is climbing. It yep. will climb the wall of worry. All the stocks that in every, all four of these companies' stocks are going to be significantly higher before the end of this year. 
You know, I mean significant, we're talking 50 percent. It's important to understand it's the climbing the wall of worry and ignorance. You guys don't know what's going on out there, and you're worried. Okay? So we, Five we weeks ago, it's important. Five weeks ago, the conversation was this. Robert, LR2s are only 18 a day. We have 20,000 a day in our fourth quarter model. When are you going to get worried that rates won't actually be good in the fourth quarter? That was four weeks ago. Okay. Two weeks ago, it was rates are now 35. They can't go any higher, can they? How long will that take? Okay. Two days, three days ago, it was they're now 50. They've obviously got to pull right, back. Right. They? Today, so I heard four times today, four people in one-on-ones go, you know what's holding your stock price back, Robert, don't you? And I said, what? Your rates are too high. <laughs> all right, all right. So what, so what are you going to give us today? Got it, okay. <laughs> so stock's going up 50%. We should all buy call options expiring in January. Um, taking someone's lead. Refinery throughput capacity fell dramatically in the first half of the year. IA expects it to increase 3 million barrels a day in the back half of the year, right? Carlos. Are you currently seeing a lot of these kind of refinery maintenance finally ending? As an analyst, I've been saying refinery maintenance is deep. It's extended. Some of the biggest and, and most um, barrels offline we've ever yeah. seen. It's going to come back. It's going to come back. It seems like it's coming back. Have you been seeing this? Yeah, no, and it's, uh, what's exceptional about this year is that we had uh, Q2 and Q3 this year where refining throughput was actually lower than last year. Uh, we had very extended refinery maintenance uh, in, in, the, in the spring. And despite that, markets, you know, they were not brilliant in the first half of the year, but they were definitely much better than last year. And uh, this time last year, the markets were at the worst level. I mean, this is usually the, the you know, the, the full maintenance period. And uh, the DMRs were trading at around $8,000 per day. And, uh, and the, the crude was starting to rally in the beginning of October. And then the MR started rallying the, the product tankers in, uh, in the beginning of November, one month later, around one month later. So it's uh, extremely exceptional that we are already at these levels now. I mean, this is extremely bullish. And uh, of course, it is also related to the fact that the, 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 the extended maintenance in the spring means that uh, the maintenance now in the fall is shorter. It was brought forward a bit. So yes, uh, refining volumes are starting to increase, but they are only just starting. So there's a lot more to come. And uh, the increase in uh, throughput expected uh, between October and December this year is of around 4.2%. Uh, so in a couple of months, uh, volumes increased by 4.2%. We, we have to see that happen still. Sure. So imagine when that happens, and imagine when the bad weather kicks in, which it still hasn't, and it slows down our vessels and creates congestion. So all of that will uh, you know, make for an exceptional market. Sure. All right, another big driver of demand is inventory, either building or drawing, right? So in 2015 and maybe 16, you saw a lot of inventory building, rates went up, inventories got built, then they said, we don't need any more of your shipments. So rates obviously fell off. Where has kind of the inventory stocking, destocking, restocking, where are those current levels? Uh, are they building? Are they being reduced? Tony, any insight on current inventory Again, I should levels? have read your email a little more carefully. Come on, I sent you these. You <laughs> should know, know these. I get it. I get it. Um, well, I'm not sure it's really relevant anymore Okay. because of IMO 2020. Okay. So what I wanted to point out earlier, and I, I think Robert and I are in full agreement that there is a, a lot of lot of things other than the crude up, uptick um, that's that's actually behind the uh, the product tanker situation that right now. Well, 
I just, you know, thinking through in the last couple of days, you know, the, you know, you know what's happening. Um, so, I think, you know, uh, you know, the, the rates that Robert mentioned are, are, you know, you know, we're seeing as well. Um, so the latest reports are indicating that, you know, rates are very close to 30,000 a day for MRs in in the east, okay. and there may be 21,000 a day in the west. So that's that's a dramatic improvement. I don't think enough LR2s could have switched over to dirty yet to have that kind of impact. I think it's greater cargo flow, and if it's cargo flow. It's IMO 2020. So our thinking is that, you know, obviously the crude market's being driven very heavily by the situation with Costco, et cetera, right? But I'm not sure much of that has spilled over yet to the product side. What's really driving products is IMO 2020. And you're coming up to a seasonal um, uh, uh, period of increased demand. Um, and, and you have, you know, the Middle East tensions in, in general. So, you know, um, in terms of, you know, what, you know, you know, the question about inventories, um, you know, we're going into a phase where there's increased demand anyway, and on top of that, you're probably talking about a requirement for another 2 million barrels a day of refinery throughput hmm. to meet, meet the IMO 2020 demand. Wow. And everything that's happening right now suggests that the demand for compliant fuel and middle distillate, basically, is going up. You've got a stronger market, therefore you have higher speeds and greater fuel consumption. You've got scrub, fewer scrubber installations, right? Um, so, you know, it seemed, and we're also hearing people are just, you know, tending more toward just using gas, gas oil initially, right? So all the indications are for a significant increase in, in uh, demand for middle distillates and refinery throughput, and that's going to create price volatility and cargo movements. Sure. And we think that that's actually what we're seeing now. Okay. <clears throat> One more question on demand, um, and Kevin, I was going to ask you about demand impacts from IMO 2020, but I think Tony answered it pretty well. So I'll switch to U.S.-China trade deal, you know. Obviously, global trade is key for international product tankers. As such, Kevin, how would a U.S.-China trade deal impact the products tanker market? And could the industry remain firm without a trade deal? How meaningful is a trade deal, pro or con? You know, I think uh, global refined products demand is truly global. So when you're talking about um, a decrease of uh, one trade lane, it leads to an increase in another trade lane. A decreased tensions between the U.S. and China is probably a positive, as U.S.-China is obviously the longest uh, route, trade route in the whole tanker market. Um, so I would have to assume that uh, a, a decrease in the tensions between U.S. and China, any particular trade deals are um, obviously probably a positive to the whole tanker market. I do want to make one uh, point on the uh, inventory question that Tony answered. I, I don't think that people have also appreciated enough that the, the first domino to fall in the IMO 2020 story was actually a global destocking of HFO inventories. And that HFO product coming out of inventory as uh, shoreside tanks are trying to manage to zero or near zero come 2020 led to a decreased demand for seaborne tanker trade. I think that has now flipped around. And that, when we talk about the crude market and you talk about Costco being the spark that really ignited the recent super rally in crude rates, you could see uh, compliant fuel and IMO 2020 demand really be that spark in the products market. And uh, as Tony said, we absolutely think that is coming in the fourth quarter. Okay, let's uh, switch gears to tanker supply, maybe a little bit on your respective fleets. I know you're all tanker companies, but there's a little differences, right? Carlos, you're primarily focused on MRs. Um, why kind of focus on this asset class instead of branching out to maybe LRs or even to crude tankers? 
Yeah, that uh, has uh, been a decision that was taken a long time ago for, for the group. It's historically been the sector we have been focused on. It is the most flexible uh, type of vessel, the preferred vessel for traders. Uh, it is a resilient vessel, which uh, also, when markets are not brilliant, uh, does quite well. Uh, but uh, we are also looking at the larger vessels and in the last new building program where we ordered 22 vessels, we, we did order six LR1s and, uh, and we do see that, uh, you know, we, we, we see an increasing market for the larger vessels, uh, longer, uh, longer trade routes and, uh, and so, yeah, we, we, we are positive, of course, also on the larger vessels. And, okay. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, Kevin, Diamond S is the only company uh, on this uh, table that has crude and products tankers. So what are the, maybe the benefits to fleet diversification? And to put you on the spot, what do you think wins more in 2020, IMO 2020? Is it crude tankers or is it products tankers? Well, I, I think the uh, tailwinds are there for the entire tanker market. And we firmly believe that all tankers move the same direction uh, over the long term. Uh, we think both the crude and products markets are set up to be a multi-year um, positive cycle that should be result in healthy earnings, I'd say, from VLCCs all the way down through chemical tankers. Okay. All right. Um, on the ordering side, you know, new building orders have fallen in recent years, uh, especially year-to-date. Order book to fleet ratios are maybe 8%. In refined products, that's like a 15 to 20 year low to put that in, in perspective. So, what, if anything, uh, is going to keep this ratio from getting back to 15, 20, 25 percent? Is it the lack of shipyard capacity, access to capital, um, owners looking at the next 18 months and liking it, but not sure about 2021, environmental regulations, a combination? So, um, I'll give this one to Robert. I Thoughts on that? Ordering, is it going to get to 20 percent order book to fleet ratio? At the moment, everything's constrained, right? You, you, you know, as I've said many times before, and I'll say it again, you know, ship owners as children, we won't change. We love new toys, like new ships, like ordering new ships in the long term. Right now, we're constrained. We don't have any money. There's not a reason to do it. The returns are better that we don't order. There's not the credit there. And, you know, the major product tanker owners don't have a will to, to do that or a reason to do that. And whilst the cash flow and the capital component is there, you're not going to get big ordering. At the end of the day, it's going to be up to you guys. You guys are going to be tested first. You're going to see secondary sometime, no, not now, but sometime in the next six, nine months, somebody's going to come and try and do a secondary use of proceeds, new buildings. If you fund it, okay, good luck, right? Even worse than that, you might even get a new IPO where the entire funding is for new buildings. So you guys will have a vote in this. So you can constrain the tap of equity really well new buildings and keep that order book disciplined by simply not funding companies that have use of proceeds in new buildings. Okay. All right, switching over to IMO 2020, uh, just a kind of a four-part question, giving all of you uh, a few opportunities to talk here. Carlos, how will IMO benefit the products tanker industry on the supply side? You know, Tony mentioned the demand side. On the supply side, is it going to be decreases in speeds? Is it going to be accelerated scrapping? Probably not at these levels, right? Um, is it going to be 
I don't know, uh, new building orders for fuel efficient vessels with scrubbers? You know, how, what's going to happen to the supply side based on IMO 2020? I think uh, IMO 2020, the, the biggest impact is definitely on the, on the demand side, not on, on the supply side, but uh, uh, definitely higher bunker prices uh, should lead other things being equal to, to maybe uh, some uh, slower speeds. But that is probably not going to be the case because it's also a function of the, the, the earnings potentials of the vessel and uh, we expect a very strong market uh, next year, so we don't think the vessels will be going slower because of IMO 2020. Um, we don't uh, we don't expect a lot of scra uh, scrapping because we expect the markets to be great. So the the, the, the scrapping is a, is a stabilizer when markets uh, when markets are weaker. Uh, that's why scrapping this year uh, went down went down drastically relative to last year because markets were better and because there is an anticipation of an even stronger market next year and and the year after that. So. All right, Tony, you know, I know you've mentioned this in the past, but we have some, some fresh faces in the audience. Um, so why is Ardmore not installing any scrubbers? That's a trick question, isn't it? So, so. <laughs> uh, yeah, Nicholas wanted fireworks, so I'm trying to get some debate Well, here. let me just say politely that last year we were a little capital constrained. Fair. So that's it. Excellent. Short can and we sweet. talk about IMO 2030? Absolutely, enlighten right. us. Because all the attention has been on I IMO 2020. I think a year from now we're going to be talking about IMO 2030, and this feeds into the question, why, why aren't we all like lining up to order ships? And the reason, you know, in addition to all the reasons that Robert mentioned, a big one is we don't know what to build. And, yeah. and in reality, the tier three design that we'd have to build today, it's not a very attractive design. Hmm. It's less fuel efficient, the operating costs are higher. Um, so, you know, you can, you can probably still find a tier two engine, but it's getting a little dicey. They were phased out four years ago, right? So we're kind of waiting for clarity from the IMO about what is the design for the future. Okay. And, you know, also the fact that we're hoping we have a powerful market for the next two years, but if you order a ship today, when do you get it? Right? Two I think we've now. kind of learned our lesson, um, you know, in that regard. So I, I think there are a whole bunch of constraints, which is actually, you know, extremely bullish, because in, in the end, that's how shipping upturns are killed off, right? And this time might be different. It's fair. So. Good color. Um, Kevin, you know, we're hearing obviously a huge increase for demand in VLSFO, probably starting in November, as the vessels, the vast majority of which will not have scrubbers, um, need to switch to compliant fuels. So, this new VLSFO, we know MGO is purely on products tankers, we know HSFO is a, is a crude tanker trade. The VLSFO, is it going to be crude tankers? Is it going to be product tankers? Who's carrying the VLSFO? It will uh, most definitely be a product tanker trade. It will probably, you know, certainly the long haul will be a large product tanker trade. I think, though, it ultimately benefits the entire product tanker chain because a lot of when we think about blending components uh, to create VLSFO in different places in the world will certainly trickle throughout product tankers from MRs all the way through LRs. All right, fair. All right, uh, recently there's been a lot of discussion about shipping sector regarding consolidation, right? Some big deals have been made. Uh, Robert, at the end of the table here, you, you purchased, what was it, four LR2s, 15 MRs um, from Trafigura recently. So I'll let you kind of start on this. What is the outlook, maybe the potential for further consolidation uh, within the products tanker sector? Poor. One more time? Poor. Poor, okay. Poor. Elaborate. You're not a man of a... Be not willing to talk <laughs> because everybody now is is gonna make a stack load of money 
So what? So you've removed one of the major incentives to consolidate, which is poverty, okay. right? So, so the deal we did was a pretty special situation where you had a, you know, a major trader and a major owner together, you know, doing something where it was a win-win position. A now, none of the other players in the tank, and I'm talking the whole tanker space here, whether or not it's crude or whether or not it's products, where's the leverage to do that? So first of all, this is at the moment. So stocks are massively undervalued across the space. So any board can say, you know, I see your stock offer, but why should I take your stock offer unless it's at a pre big significant premium to my closing price? because my stock is not really reflecting what's going on in the spot market. So you're in a, in a point of time for the next four or five, you know, until the stocks actually move up significantly where there's unlikely, I think, to be a, sure. a reason for consolidation. And, the, and we're certainly seeing a kind of slowdown in S&P activity as the bid-ask spread has expanded, right? Buyers want to buy in the last 12 months. Sellers want to sell in the next 12 months. Mm -hmm. So that, that's understandable. All right, we're doing a lightning round. We've got five minutes. So please answer each question with one sentence, ideally even one word. We're going to start down here and go this way. Tony, you first. Everyone's answering every question. What will products tanker ton mile demand growth be in 2020? From 2019. Correct. Year over year. 2%, 12%? 6%. 6%. 6%. 5%. Okay. 4.5%. Okay. What would you say? 45 <laughs> 4.5%. 4.5%. $1. <laughs> 6.1329. <laughs> now we're talking. All right. Very we're good. reversing it. Products tanker net fleet growth B in 2020, year over year? Zero. Zero? Uh, on a commercial, on an actual vessels in the water basis. Not sure. talking about ships delivered, but if I net off those that net. have gone to crude and those that are in the shipyards doing scrubbers or maintenance or move because they have to go out of the premium trade because they're 15 years old. Right? Remember, there are a lot of ships turning 15 years old over the next you know, year or two, so zero. Sneaky answer. All right, I'm talking about deliveries minus scrapping. I'm talking about, who cares about that? Okay, I'm, fine. I, 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 care, I care about the effective supply in the market. So we talk right Zero, now. all right, I got your no, answer. No, no, we'll, we'll do all a little right. bit of, look, 16, I think we'd all agree that at least 16 LRs have just have turned dirty yep. in the last few weeks, at least 16. Okay, that represents 8% of the actual LR2 fleet that is in the water. That's even if none of them were in dry docks doing scrubbers. This matters a lot. Imagine if ship, freight shipping is a commodity. Freight is a commodity. Yes. Imagine if, if we left here and we looked on TV and we saw that 8% of gold production in the world has been shut in. What's going to happen? Okay, I, I, I baited you into that, so you I, did I, will, I understand you gave fault. me more than one word. I You're will right. excuse you. Kevin. I, I, I think the unnuanced answer is pretty exciting as well. I think it's something like one and a half, two percent net fleet growth. Excellent. Um, deliveries less scrapping. Getting closer to one word. Um, I'll make it really short. I, I, I agree with Kevin. Uh, the simple answer is that, not, not the sophisticated answer that Robert gave. So, yeah. One to two percent. Is this what I'm hearing? Yeah, one, okay. one, one and Fair. a half. Yeah. Tony? 1.853. Oh, now we're going to like thousandth place. All right. What will the average VLSFO, HSFO fuel spread be in Singapore 
this is like very detailed, I know. Uh, for full year 2020, so we're taking the average full year VLSFO price, the HSFO price in Singapore, and subtracting the two. 150. Great answer. Thank you. Go. Uh, based on the forward curves now, I would say an average of uh, around 230. 150, 230. Yep. Continue. 200. You can do it, Robert. <laughs> <laughs> Just give me a number. Uh, 350. Ooh, I like it. With the scrubbers, I see you. All right. Um, if an investor. That's conservative. Okay. I'm, I'm starting to agree. I was at a few conferences in Houston last week, and they were saying, yeah, we're going to have huge blowouts in the first quarter at least, and it'll trend. Um, secondly, or fourthly, I don't know, we have two minutes left. If an investor, if an investor gave you $50 million in cash, or maybe not, I'm going to scratch that, you're going to get $50 million in free cash this quarter, right? What are you going to do with it? Are you going to do, and you only have four options, so I know you've had some wild answers in the past. We're going with four options. Buy secondhand vessels, order new builds, repurchase shares, pay down debt, or order scrubbers, because you said you were capital constrained. So we'll give you five <laughs> options. Robert, one of those five. Pay down debt. Thank you, sir. Kevin. Yeah, we, we would pay down our revolvers to not lose the capacity, but still delever in the short term. Okay, bringing it down. Yeah, for, for us, uh, delever and then uh, buy back shares because uh, uh, they are still, I mean, uh, what, 10 days ago, we were, uh, the, the answer would have been even stronger. I mean, but uh, you know, over the last 11 days, our shares traded up 50%, so, but they're still at 35% discount to NAV, so buying back shares makes sense, yeah. And, and tell the people your ticker, for those who don't know. <laughs> DIS.MI. <laughs> there you go. All right, Tony. It's changing. It's, I mean, it's, you know, things are evolving almost like as we sit up here. So probably pay down debt. Pay still. down debt. All right. So a change. lot of delevering out there. Okay. Um, what will the average spot, Tony, starting with you, what will the average eco MR spot rate be for the full year 2020? You know, there's Bloomberg headlines this morning. Rates are unsustainable at these levels. Of course they're unsustainable at these levels, right? No, no one's questioning that. But where will the average be for the full year of 2020? Currently, let's just use it as 20. I know there's some fixtures at 30. Let's just say it's 20 right now. Full year 2020 eco MR average. 26,500. This is like price and right, price is right. Go for it. 26.5. 20. 20,000. 20? Yeah. Fair. 27.5. Ooh. <laughs> 27. 55. Sorry, go ahead. I don't want to answer for you. We don't give guidance. <laughs> what did you say? I missed it. I missed it. I, I didn't get it either. Two of us didn't get that. He, he doesn't give guidance. He doesn't give guidance. We're just asking for an expectation or an estimate. Okay, we'll go with that. Um, oh, I'm out of time. Y'all got to give me two more minutes here. What will the secondhand price, this isn't guidance, I guess, secondhand price for a five-year-old MRB uh, at the B, at the next Capital Link NYC forum, plug here for Nicholas, there's going to be another one of these in March or April, stay tuned, um, five or six months from now, what will the secondhand price for a five-year-old MRB last done, not the bid-ask spread, last done in March, current price, we'll call it $32 million. I know you can argue that it's higher. Robert, starting with you, five-year-old MR in March. In what, March this year? In, in like six months, yeah, April, whenever. I don't know, five years old is a bit old for us. Um, You'll have some five-year-old MRs, mind you, but go ahead. Oof. 
no scrubbers, 40 million bucks. $40 million, all right, 30% or so appreciation. I'm sorry, Kevin? It's actually a bit young for us, but uh, I'd say <laughs> probably 38. Okay. 35. 40, 38, 35, and? That range, yeah. So. Okay, 35 <laughs> to 40. Last question, and I'll get you out of here. What is your expected share price gain in percent terms over the next 12 months? So your stock price as of today, it's selling off a little today, so you'll get it at a little lower level. One year from now, how much will your stock be up? Starting with you, Tony. Percent. Is this legal? <laughs> what? Is this legal? <laughs> Fictitiously, just I don't know, up, seven, up, seven, up 70%. 70%. Seven zero. Great answer. Carlos, give me a number. I know it's around 50% uh, in the week. In the week, yeah. No, I'm happy with another 30, I think, that, uh, and, and I will leave more upside for later. Uh, deal. Kevin, one year from today. Yeah, we, we just hired a general counsel, so I have to decline to answer this question. <laughs> Robert? <laughs> Here's your chance. I obviously can't comment on that, but I always think 100's a good number. Okay. So you can Just comment. Numerically, a hundred right. is a good number. That's fair. So yeah, I, I don't the, cover. That, that's the with the greatest in front of it. The greatest sign in front Did of hundred is double. a better number. Yeah. Got it. All right. So I don't cover Diamico, but I do have recommendations for the other three. And to quote in sync, bye bye bye. All right. That's all I got. <laughs>